Hey everybody, what's up? It's Lori with the Catch a Pocket Podcast, and today I have a couple of cool things. Um, Chris Gulick, he's a sculptor here in town. He's a founding member of the Famous Dead Artists um, that are, were started in the 90s, and with a group that are known now for founding the Final Friday, a Wichita must attend for those culturally in touch or art aficionados. Chris and his friend Shelley Staub created um, or wrote a book over the last few years of stories that they experienced when they were telephone technicians. And it's called, I've Got a Pole You Can Climb, Tales of a Telephone Technician. There are um, quite a few short stories in there. And this Sunday, December the 9th, 2018, from 11 to 2 at the Wichita Art Museum at 1400 West Museum Boulevard. They are having a book release and they'd love for you to attend. They're going to serve a little bit of lunch. Chris talks about it in this interview. Following this, we're going to have Shane Marler's part two of his musical adventures in his life with Shane Marler. And it's getting good, guys. I'm glad to have you today, and here's a little bit of the Skype call interview, first time for that, that I had with Mr. Christopher Gulick about his new book. This is the title of the book. I got a I've pole got a pole you can climb. Tales of a telephone technician. Fantastic! I can't wait to read this. It's it's very interesting to me. Um, we we didn't make that line up. I got a pole you can climb. We did not make that up. <laughs> my, my buddy Shelley is uh, one of the first female techs in the state of Kansas. You know, she was hired on in the late 70s when a lot of that kind of stuff was finally getting shook up. And You mean girls can do work too? What? You know, what? Yeah. They're equal? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, no way. Well, and, and we were kind of, both of us were a little uh, on crossroads because we were both hired at the phone company as tokens. Mm. She was the token female and I started at the phone company. I was one of the first male O operators in the state of Kansas. O operator. All right. Back okay. You still had to like get all the o. all the women would be there, and you. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a when when I hired on, there was me and nine other guys in a room with 110 women. Oh wow! So, so you guys. Uh... It uh, we had. When the job was fun, it was fun. But other other words, you know, more often than not, it was rather uh, r- rather hectic. Uh, okay. All the crazy. And Shelley stuff had that, it the opposite way then. Yeah. Out there in the yeah, weather she, she and was outside, learning how to climb poles and all this kind of stuff. And I did that that operator job for about two years before I finally got transferred out. And that was about the time frame when her and I met, going back and forth on different crews together. Okay. So. Um, but so where the title came from, it, it, this was something a customer actually said to her on the uh-huh. job. I believe it. She was at this guy's <laughs> house and, uh, and, and actually, uh, if you go to the, our website for the book is I've got a poll.com okay. and we published the entire title story so you can read it. And, and that'll, that way we, we've given away an entire story simply because we want people to understand, no, this isn't some tacky version of porn. This right. is right. this is the kind of stuff that people say. Yeah, <laughs> and every day, yeah. This, it was something that she heard from a customer. You know, they, it was the middle of the morning, and uh, the, these guys were probably third shifters out at one of the aircraft plants or something like that. And by the time she gets to their house at eight, nine o'clock in the morning, they're already hammered. Well, and yeah. yeah. So she's working, climbing the pole and running the 
line up to the house and she's climbing up the ladder on the side of the house and that's when this guy looks over at her and says i've got a pole you can climb Oh, well, what she says. And when you read into the story, his buddy that's with him, he's mortified. He's like, oh my God, dude, yeah. you are so stupid. <laughs> and Shelly proceeds to climb back down the ladder and just ripped him a new one and you know, basically informed him that I'm going to remove everything I just did if I hear one more word out of your mouth. And then you can explain to my supervisor why it's going to take another two weeks for you to get another technician to come out and fix this problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's where that came from. And and then the stories themselves. So if, if somebody reads that and they like that story, they'll pretty probably like the rest of the book. If they don't like that story, they're either offended or think it's stupid and don't waste your money on the book. Understood. It's I'm excited to hear about this. Look, can you tell everyone where and when you guys are having your book release? Party? Yes. The Wichita, we've already done the Kansas City book launch uh, about three, four weeks ago. This Sunday, uh, December 9th, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Wichita Art Museum, uh, specifically in the Barron Conference Room. It's up okay. on the main main level where the great hall the big chihuly is nice. but from 11 to 2 there at the wichita art museum we're going to have the wichita book launch of i've got a pole you can climb tales of a telephone technician um can you tell us a little bit about writing this book and how it came to fruition for you and shelly Yes, that, that ended up being, Shelly and I had to think about that for just a little bit because we'd been working loosely on it for over a decade. But when somebody asked us, so what was the catalyst for this book? And we've realized that we had the discussion about it, but realized that essentially it was people accusing us of lying. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has when you're in mixed company at some party or some kind of a gathering and you meet people you work with right. uh, and, and this type of thing. And you start talking about, you talk shop, right? Sure. Well, some of the things that we're talk, we would be talking about people, they, they first of all, they have no idea what we do for a living. Um, <laughs> and now you are, you are making this crap up. No, you cannot make this kind of stuff up. Uh, you know, the, the stories are cute, they're sweet, they're heartwarming, they're funny, they're scary, and yeah. several of them are just plain what the fornication. Hey, you're allowed to curse on my podcast, yeah. so you can do whatever you want. It, it goes all from <laughs> one extreme to the other, um, and, and after a while, and Shelly has, uh, part of her creativity is she does write. Right. Um, she, she does a lot of little uh, short stories and things like this. And this became a, a better way, a larger dynamic for her to explore that a little bit, a little bit better. Um, and, and, and her and I have been close friends for so long, but it, working on a creative project like this, uh, I know it was a new experience for her in that she is always taking care of all of her own whatever that is. Right. So essentially, now we're married. <laughs> right, <laughs> married to this, this book. This book has given us another marriage to have to deal with here, and you know she's never been married. Um, it, so she's got to really trust you as a friend that she's not putting out garbage and, and vice versa with you guys. Like I didn't take this too exactly. far, or is this telling too much, or I don't want to open myself up that much or maybe hey open yourself up a little more that kind of thing between well, the two of you yes and and one of the things that probably helped us through that is the fact that working together as technicians it, well let, let me rephrase that most telephone repair technicians are autonomous throughout the entire day some people depending on the job they'll work on a crew with two or three people you're around the same time all the same day but her and i were we, we would see each other in the morning mm -hmm. 
that's it for the rest of the day and then you might see each other towards the end of the, at the end of the day and that's where a lot of these kinds of conversations that be, have become stories in a book was the decompressing of oh my god i was at this lady's house and she had 57 <laughs> cats and what the fuck and oh my god the house was horrible you know, yeah and, and again you're at the art museum on sunday from What'd you 11 say? A.M. 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, it's a uh, a little bit of a Sunday brunch. We're having vegan chili and chicken tortilla soup from the Muse Restaurant. Excellent. And uh, so come get a little bit of lunch and like 11 to noon. Are you guys going to be signing autographs and um? We, and we that have kind of books. Thing? We have okay. books on site that uh, for purchase, and we'll be more than happy to sign your book. Uh, the book is also on Amazon right now in hard in uh, paperback and in Kindle for uh, ebook. And are there any drawings or illustrations in your yes. book? Yes. And who, who might have done that? Parts. A regional uh, illustrator by the name of Graham Jarvis, an absolutely superb artist, has done pen and ink drawings for us, uh, depicting. I think we've got 17 illustrations. In the book. I am so glad that you um, text and I could come and listen to you guys talk. I'm going to come on Sunday and hopefully buy a book. Hey, well, there's a little bit of everything in there. Something for everyone, I believe. Uh, we're kind of hoping that this kind of thing also encourages other people. What was it? I forgot who some famous person said. There's a, at least one book in everybody. And there's a lot of customer service types of industries have all kinds of bizarre stories. Anytime you're working with the human race, something squirrely's going down. Yes, yes. I agree with that. So, well, yes, we're, we're hoping we've got room for several people. So come on out. We'll make room for more if we have to. All right, Chris, we will thank you, and thank you for catching a pocket with me this evening. And, I appreciate um, your time, Lori. All right, well, we'll talk to you real soon, and thank you so much. I appreciate you. See you for lunch on Sunday. So that was Chris Gulick on a Skype call with me, Um basically publicizing his new book he is a great artist he's done so much with the community you guys should support your local artists this is the perfect time of year to do it they've got a cool story to tell it's called i got a pole you can climb tales of a telephone technician it's published by hard short press and this december the 9th of 2018 from 11 to 2 at the Wichita Art Museum at 1400 West Museum Boulevard. They are going to read some passages to their stories. They'll be happy to talk to you. These people are awesome. They're nice people. They're good people. They have a good story to tell. They're going to have some hot soup and bread. They're ready for some company. Please get out there and support them. Up next is Shane Marler, the part two of our episode three. This is our part two of episode three, Shane Marler kicks fucking ass i love you shane you're awesome here we go with part two episode three shane marler discovers the gypsy jazz after having a career a good career with music and he tells the tale at the end he comes up with another story and i'm gonna put it in there too because it's too cool So I'm walking through Winfield. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you, are you laughing at my life story? No, uh, okay. we were at Winfield and you were in the Walnut. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing at me because I don't know what made that noise. I and, don't either. And um, so you're walking through the Walnut, one o'clock in the morning. You're yeah, going I think it was probably later than that. It was probably three, two, yeah. or three. <laughs> who so knows? I, yeah, who knows? I walk by this camp, mm -hmm. and they are playing minor swing by oh, cool. Jean Gaulin and Stéphane Grappelli, uh -huh. which I didn't, I'd never heard it before. Really? Never heard gypsy music before. Nothing. Ne none of this. I'd never okay. heard any of it. This is 
totally opposite from like the pop culture music I grew sure. up on You're and classic rock. Yeah, exactly. And my parents always listened to like classic rock, you know, like Credence and shit like that. Sure. The Eagles. Neil Young. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're hippies, you know? Yeah. So I've never heard gypsy music at all. So it blows me away sure. so much. Totally changes my life in that instant. Like with those first off your feet. With those first three notes. And I don't know why, but it I'm a believer in everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And for some reason all those stars aligned in that moment and I went, Holy shit, what is this? Like struck and by I lightning. literally, as hard as it is to believe now, ran to my camp. Mm-hmm humming that in my head so i could grab my guitar and figure out how to play that that's oh, how cool wow. i thought it was right yeah yeah so i spend like 10 minutes trying to figure out you know i cannot get what the because f- yeah. i'm trying to remember okay i remember what it sounded like so i finally figure it out and uh, one of the guys i camp with goes well that's just minor swing and i'm like well what's minor swing so that oh, leads me wow. into this whole um gypsy music discovery right. that i don't know anything about and that was when that was probably 2000 i don't know why do you ask about chronology <laughs> i was I just know. wondering how old Let, you like say, do you know probably, how old you were i i was probably it's probably like 2002 uh-huh. so i would have been i don't know 20 yeah 8 27 26 so, okay at that point probably 2004 actually your renaissance of gypsy it, it jazz begins right begins right and and it just so happened right up on it it just like, so boom. well not exactly oh, okay. it just so happens that i've quit this band and i don't really have any direction musically i'm mm-hmm. still playing every day because i love to play it's right. just who i am so <laughs> i find out about django and i get a django cd and i listen to it and i'm like what the fuck? I need 50 of these. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, so, and then the story of them. And and that, exactly. So right. captivating. Exactly. And there's the internet now, and I can go on the internet and find out. Well, it turns out there's this whole contemporary gypsy music scene that it's one of those subculture scene things that you have to know about it, you know, right. or people don't know about it. So I really get into it. I spend hours and hours and hours by myself, driving my wife crazy, I'm sure, just right. playing gypsy she rhythm <laughs> with my right hand. Because yeah. it's so important to play La Pomp, yeah. which is the gypsy rhythm, which is very weird and hard to learn because... Right. So normally when you... You're dragging your you're dragging right. your pick. So normally when you play, you're playing either an upstroke or a downstroke. Mm-hmm. So La Pomp, which means the pump in mm-hmm. French... Uh, which is the driving rhythm of dun, dun, gypsy dun, dun, music. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Starts with a quick upstroke, mm-hmm. a quick downstroke, and then you play the chord. So for each beat, you're playing three, which okay. is weird. So it's almost like a 3-4 feel against 4-4. Four, four. Oh, but it's not wow. really. Yeah. But you have to train your right hand to do that. It's not natural. So, it's not, not what, at all. When you're, when you're used to playing exactly. uh, southern rock, it's right. not natural. Yeah, no, it's to- it's totally different. And because Django was in a fire and only had independent use of two of his fingers, right? his harmonic approach to the instrument was totally different than anybody's would have been. So I had to learn all these new chords mm-hmm. that there are gypsy shapes mm-hmm. for like standard jazz chords okay. that sound more authentic because they're... You're doing it correctly. The way Django did right. it. Yeah, With exactly. With two fingers exactly. instead of... Exactly. All four right. or five. Right. So I really get into gypsy music mm-hmm. and decide, okay, you know, I, I find out about this festival in Samois sur Seine, France, which is about oh. 45 minutes southeast of Paris. Okay. That's where Django moved to like two years before he died. He okay. died in Samois. He's buried in Samois. Whoa. And every year... There is a gypsy That's music. That's serious. That is very serious, yeah. <laughs> Every year there's a gypsy music festival there. Mm-hmm. So all these contemporary gypsy players that are just unbelievably good, like Stockelow Rosenberg, Fappy Lafferton, oh. uh, Chavalo Schmidt, all these guys, you don't right. know who they are. but I've heard of Fappy Lafferton. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, so there are all these guys, well, they go there every year and play, and I'm like, 
holy shit, you know, it's it's like, weird to discover something and you're like, and oh my god, it's gonna happen. Take in all my money, June. I want that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, I start talking to my wife and I'm like, you know, one of these days we Let's ought we ought to do this, yeah. right? Never really thinking that it's actually gonna happen. Mm-hmm. My mom's been saying I'm gonna go to Ireland since I was three, and she's never been to Ireland. Okay, right. Sure. So one day I'm like, I'm fuck it. I'm going to go somewhere someday uh, too. Uh, right. One day I'm like, fuck it. I'm going. Okay. Right. So we get our passports. The secret is to buy your ticket. You buy your ticket and then you got to sort your shit out. Yeah. Then you have a deadline. Yeah. You, know? you got to go. So the first time we go, I don't know jack shit. I took French in high school and mm-hmm. flunked out the second year because I'm never going to use this shit. Right. right. It's hard. Right. <laughs> and come to find out, I do need to know yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Too bad I didn't. So we went in 2006. Was the first year that we went to France to Mm -hmm. the uh, Django Festival, and it was the first time. So you've gone again. uh, We we went 2006 through 2009. So went four times. Oh wow! You went every year. Went every year. Whoa! Got uh, so we're so we're so raised in a culture of or at least pop culture of the whole rock star, you know, you're probably never going to get to meet slash. And if you did, you know, he'd have a bodyguard, etc. You'd never what, get to say anything. To right. Him. Exactly. That is the total opposite of the culture there. Mm-hmm. So like they walk around. Fappy Lafferton yeah. is standing there, you uh-huh. know, on, so the festival is actually on an Island <laughs> in the middle of the river Seine. Okay. Um, so you have to walk across this bridge to get, and there's only one stage, and they, you know, the music rotates. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody hangs out on the island, mm-hmm. and that includes these absolute masters of their instruments. And Fappy's standing right there, and I can just go up and talk to him. Could you just jam with them if you, you felt you, the need? If they're playing, mm-hmm. yeah, you can walk right in and. And if he spoke English, or if right, most of them do. Yeah. Most of them. Then do. you can keep a conversation with right. them. Right. And... So speaking of language, this is one of the things I wanted to tell you about. So okay. It was probably I was the second year that I, we went to the festival. Mm-hmm. At the festival, you camp in this. Um, it's actually a forest. It's absolutely gorgeous. That's about a mile nice. away from the the island, which uh-huh. is like at the south end of town. The town, the town of Samwise, the population's like eleven hundred people. It's a tiny little town. Okay. Um, so when you want to go to see the shows, you walk this mile down this, this little French dirt road out of the forest. Picturesque. Uh, oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, like, if anyone ever has the opportunity, I don't care if you like gypsy music or not, you should go to this town. Just for see, the It's absolutely scene. gorgeous. Yes. Uh, the awesome. people are really friendly. The food and, good. Oh, God, yes. Yes. <laughs> so it, so for, for me, that is my mecca. Okay. I mean, literally that I have stood at Django's grave and said my prayers. And you feel at peace with yourself. Absolutely. Now I, I can die. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I, it's actually, I've told my wife, I hope I don't jinx myself and die on the way home. But uh, I've told not. my <laughs> my last wish is that I be cremated and my ashes be spread off the bridge that goes to the island in ah, San Juan. Yeah, that's and good. I more did that, so she has to go back one right. more time. I want her to, to go see it again. Yeah, and the ashes thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and I'll cool. be there forever. Yeah. yeah. So I'm in the forest, and the cool thing about camping, that so it's kind of like Winfield, but way more laid back, way mm-hmm. less emphasis on party, more on music. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody that's there that plays is really good. Yeah. Like... There aren't the, I just got this I guitar. Just and this, yeah. Uh, those people aren't what's there. A G chord? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those yeah. people are not there. And if they are, they just leave their guitar. Yeah, they're the not going to play. Right. Exactly. Um, I am on the lower tier of musicians at that festival. I can't, by, by I far. can't imagine. Um, so, sitting in this forest, and it's the middle of the day, and the, the coolest part about camping there is you are camping. You know, when you go to Winfield, you're camping by somebody from Tulsa and somebody from Colorado. Mm-hmm. And 
Well, there, it's the same concept, but you're camping by somebody from the UK and somebody from Germany mm -hmm. and Morocco. And, That's cool. Yeah. So, like, 3,000, about 3,000 gypsies every year mm -hmm. converge on this little town for this festival. Now, are they really gypsies or yeah. are they just in their mind gypsies? No, they're real gypsies. Like, okay, really so they're gypsies? Really gypsies. Okay. So, there are two different um, campsites at mm -hmm. the festival. Mm -hmm. There's the gypsy camp and then the gadjo camp. The gadjo gadjo is a gypsy word for white uh, people. Uh, well, non gypsy. Non gypsy. But yeah, white yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so the gypsy camp is actually out in the middle of a field, mm -hmm. and it looks terrible. There's no trees. There's no you know. Yeah. But there's like 500 white campers, and okay. all the campers are white, and a lot of Mercedes. They drive Mercedes. Mercedes uh, and yeah. white campers. And white campers. Yeah. Like white RV campers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they, that or like transit vans mm -hmm. is what it looks like. Okay. Um, so if you're a non-gypsy, you don't really camp there, okay? The gypsies right. can't... You won't get beat up or anything probably, right? You probably will. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so it's a very closed culture. Mm -hmm. um, a, the gypsies approach to the world, they get a bad rap for being thieves and uh -huh. all that stuff. Well, the reason they're thieves, the reason we call them thieves, is in the gypsy culture, this microphone is just as much mine as it is yours. Okay. Same thing with that chicken or whatever it is right. that they want. Okay. <laughs> um, because everything belongs to everyone. Right. Okay. Because it's like a socialist culture. Yeah, very much so. So if you need something, so you should a, take the thing. The gypsy culture and the Latino culture has a lot in common in that it's a, they're very close families. Mm -hmm. And what's uh, mine is yours. What's right, yours is right. Mine? And um, we've got one cousin who's an electrician. So if you need some electrical work, he'll come over yeah. and do that, and you fix his plumbing or whatever right. it is you do. Right. So everybody kind of has a skill Barter set. That, yeah, trade. exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very much the way the gypsy culture is. Mm -hmm. um, now, the gypsies will come into the non-gypsy campsite at will whenever they want. Right? And just take whatever they want? No. No. No, <laughs> no just like to, to visit and and listen to the, listen to music. Right. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But they're, they tend to be intimidating because, as I always say, there's no such thing as one gypsy. Okay. If you see one gypsy, there's seven more around somewhere. You just may not be able to see them, right? <laughs> they're watching um, them. Exactly. They're making sure they're okay. So this gypsy guy, and the gypsies don't dress stereotypically like they do in the gypsy movies where... Um, yeah, okay. They're, I mean, They're, they're kind of similar. So the majority of gypsy like guys... Like a pirate or something. Right. They're not exactly like that. Right. So modern-day gypsies wear blue jeans mm -hmm. uh oftentimes or slacks uh and lots and lots and lots of white button-up shirts uh, -huh. uh with the top couple buttons undone there's probably some gold chains in uh -huh. there some rings maybe mm -hmm. uh and italian kind and the women dress quite provocatively okay um and they a lot of makeup a lot of makeup a lot of really hair, big earrings big hair things mm -hmm. like that right yeah um so i there are these like so did you camp with the gypsies or did you camp with no, the I, I camped, gauchos? No, I, I camped in the gadgos. Gadgos. Yes, I have to. because <laughs> Okay, so the first day we got yeah. there, uh, I don't know shit about France. I don't know where we're going. You don't know French. Uh, I don't know French hardly at all. But I've made this reservation online mm -hmm. to camp at this campsite from day A to day B, right? Okay. So I've got a reservation now. We just got to find our campsite. Well, the first campsite I see after it's asking in broken French on how to get to wherever mm -hmm. is the gypsy camp. And I'm like, holy fuck, that's where we're supposed to go? It was quite intimidating. intimidating. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> so found out later, no, you're in the in the forest, which is gorgeous. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So we end up in, in the forest. <laughs> so one day I'm wanting to play music. It's in the middle of the afternoon. There's not really any jamming going on. There are probably, I'm going to say, 75 people in our campsite, mm -hmm. the entire site. Everybody has like... An area. A, an area. Yeah. There's. It's not like Winfield where if you can throw an elbow, you can put a tent there. Uh, you know. It's, no, you have like an Right. You have a site. reservation and... With a number like you would add. Right. A, and there are actually stones in the ground, really old stones in the uh -huh. ground where That's from here to number. here is you... <laughs> 
and back to there. Right. Right. Um, so, so Takaji's not to fight with one another. Exactly. Probably. Yeah, there are no... That doesn't happen there. It right. just doesn't because it's so chill. It's just super laid back, lots of music. Friendly people, beautiful super, music. Super friendly. Uh, English is the common language because you have people from Denmark and, you know, all over right. Europe. Well, you know, a Dutch person doesn't necessarily speak German and vice versa. So it's like but the universal language. It is. Everybody speaks English. Because they teach it at the school. Except for the gypsies. Uh. So I'm wanting to play, right? Mm-hmm. This larger gypsy man comes into the campsite. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging out by these barbecues. These guys from Spain that I'd kind of met the day before mm-hmm. were barbecuing. And so of I'm course. just kind of sitting there playing, right? Meat. Right. So this guy comes in. His name, I don't know at the time, is T.T. Bamberger, I believe is how you say it. T.T. Bamberger. Yes. Okay. Stereotypical gypsy... Um, I can, I'm friends with him on Facebook. I'll show you a picture. Okay. Um, so he posted online. There you go. He comes in, uh, barbecue place, right? Mm -hmm. And he and I played probably six to eight songs, just he and I. Okay. Okay. So our common language, because he didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any, anything else. I didn't know where he was from. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Our common language was Django. Okay. And it was one of the coolest experiences ever because we didn't say a word to each other, but we com- communicated completely Dreamers. via music. Yes. Beautiful. And that included laughing and smiling. Uh-huh. and But we didn't say two words to each other. On one time, one after one song, we played a song called I'll See You in My Dreams, which is one of my favorite old swing tunes. Sure. Um. He, in incredibly broken English, said, I'll see you in my dream. Uh, I barely understood him, but... He did it, though. But he did it. Yes, that's right. So how did you go from song to song, then? uh, Well... You just play, like, a few of the leading chords or or something like that? That's exactly right. And then the other one go, ah. That's right. It's a common language, so... Or you would go, oh. Much much like we communicate with words, Mm -hmm. if I say hello, you know to jump in and say, how you doing? Or whatever. Yeah. Same thing. We would start playing chords or start playing part of a melody and you just jump right in. But it was the coolest. I mean, for me, it was a huge honor to sit with an actual gypsy. Gypsy jazz musician. Right. And play gypsy music. It's like an honor. It was an incredible honor. So this is Titi. Oh my gosh. And he looks exactly like you would imagine it. Yes, he does. You got to send me this picture, Shane, so that I can post it on the Instagram when when we do the uh, podcast. And let me double check the spelling of his last name. It's Bamberger. Bamberger. Yes. B-A-M. Right. B-U-R. B-E-R-G-E-R. B-E-R-G-E-R. So never met the dude before in my life. Never said two words to him. Didn't really even communicate with him then. Mm-hmm. Once we were done, we shook hands, kind of mm-hmm. gave each other a nod, and that was it. Really? Yeah. But he so goes how did to you the, find him on Facebook? Then? Well, he goes to the festival every year and okay. ended up meeting him and, and having year? having friends communicate for me. Oh, okay. Because um, I would meet a guy from Holland or from Germany. He's actually German, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you find somebody that speaks German and English, and then you say, hey, my name is such and such. And, yeah. I mean, and this is where I'm from. Right, yeah. and everybody's so incredibly helpful mm-hmm. that they're totally cool with doing, helping however they can. Awesome. And we've met friends from England there that we've gone to England to visit and right. stayed at their house on the Isle of Wight wow. and they're our local tour guide and it's all because of this festival and it's really all because of having the balls to go you know what fuck it we're gonna go let's do this yeah and see what this happens. is really what I want to do exactly and absolutely and then see what happens and it all it could comes, have been a shit show it could have been you don't know absolutely there's I've never taken a trip where there hasn't been one moment where you go Fuck. Why did I fucking do this? Now, what, what are we going to do <laughs> now? <laughs> yeah. Because shit doesn't always work out. Yeah, right. You but have, that's the best because part. Because you have this misconception in your mind of how wonderful everything, you know, Yeah, that's, is, that's not be. life. Right. Life, that is not life. Life is not yeah. perfect like that. But I'm a firm believer in life is about taking the chance. And if you see it as an adventure, mm-hmm. 
And have a positive attitude. That's right. Then there's nothing that's going to go wrong. So we left the festival one time. Now, I've got a million stories, but I can talk all night. <laughs> Your, your gypsy album is Saigon, 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 Saigon is a European word for gypsy. Okay, and so you named it that just for that reason. Yeah, pretty much. Because it's just your gypsy album. It, so it is. It was the first it's solo. A beautiful album, by the way. Thank you. It was the first solo album I had done. I was really into gypsy music. The thing I learned both doing that album and going to France. Uh-huh. Uh, much like my experience starting out at the Port of Wichita was I wasn't nearly as good as I thought I was, um, and that was okay. So my gypsy lead playing is not wonderful, mm-hmm. but my right hand's okay on rhythm. I can hold my own on rhythm. That is what I learned most at France was I could set with the big boys and... Play the rhythm. And I'm going to be right there. Yeah. Yeah. So gypsy rhythm is, in my opinion, the most important part of the music. It's important that you're a metronome. Mm-hmm. Um, you are the percussion. Absolutely. There is no yes. drummer, right? And there is no messing up. Can't mess up. It's got to be right, right on. All you're doing is holding things together for someone who's very good at soloing right. to express themselves. And I'm okay with that. Uh, okay. I can do. I can set and chunk chords all night long and never play a solo and be totally happy. Yeah. So when when it came to playing with the Nouveau Quintet, uh-huh. um, and Kenny White is that who played the lead part in in, in that? He yeah. So Kenny White ended up kind of he didn't have a choice in the matter, but he ended up being my guitar mentor basically. Okay. Um, How that happened? I actually met him at Winfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything goes back to Winfield. Uh-huh. Uh, it does. At like two o'clock in the morning, uh, my buddy John Hickam from Colorado, he and I were both starting to learn gypsy and swing chords and tunes and playing rhythm. Um, and we were at uh, Camp Avalon. Okay. Uh, and, and there was a so great. There are some monsters. Ted and those guys. Yeah, and there are some monster Colorado players that play there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like different level. I camp with them when we have to go to the lake on the yeah, flood years. Yeah, yeah. And they're marvel. Awesome. There are some marvelous players in that camp. Um, and so there's a great swing jam going on, and John and I are like barely holding on by the skin of our teeth, you know, just trying to keep up. Right. Uh, and out of the shadows, you know, with smoke and all that stuff <laughs> comes kenny white never seen him before in my life okay waltzes up Kentucky. And, and on a completely different level just mm-hmm. fucking smokes everybody there yeah. literally to where he played like three songs he was real nice said hi to everybody i didn't know him didn't uh you know introduce myself or any i was intimidated right plays three songs turns around starts to leave and everybody is like who the fuck was that yeah yeah, and one and one of the guys from Colorado said, "Oh, that's Kenny. He's he's really good." He's really good. And yeah. I was like, "Okay, I'm not gonna miss this opportunity." So I like chase him down like a a groupie, right? You know, and I'm like, "Hey, my name's Shane. You're amazing." Blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, find out he lives in the area. You know. And this is after you've been to France and all that. Uh, this is right at the about the same time okay. as I first uh, am- started. I first started playing gypsy music, trying uh-huh. to learn it. So I haven't gone to France yet. Okay. Um, long story short, then like a year later, probably, uh, a guy named Mark O'Connor, had, mm-hmm. uh, who's a f- wonderful violin player, had uh, who actually toured with Stefan Grappelli, which brings it back to Django. Oh, okay. Um, was playing at the Orpheum in Wichita. Okay. Uh, and I was like, I have to go to I think to I this. went to that show, too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was his hot swing trio. They were oh, yeah. phenomenal. Him and Frank Fignola, who's like a, a just wonderful guitar player. Mm-hmm. So I'm up in the balcony in the cheap seats because I'm poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they take an intermission. And during intermission, I look down and I'm like, holy shit, that's that Kenny guy. Yeah. Like two rows back. Of course, he has much better Front seats than seats. I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm like... I tell my wife, I'm like, I'm going to run down and talk to him and see if he remembers me, right? Mm-hmm. So I run down there. I'm like, hey, Kenny, you probably don't remember me, but I met you at a jam. He's like, oh, no, yeah, I remember you. 
I was like, so do you give lessons or? Right. Uh, he was like, yeah, absolutely. Call me. Hands me his business card. Mm-hmm. I'm like, awesome. Go back. Watch the rest of the show. Uh, and I don't call him. Okay. For like a year and a half. Okay. Uh, you're then, still working on it. You're still I'm still. I'm still practicing. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I call him up and say, um, hey, I heard that you're playing in this like gypsy band. You know, they okay. play some gypsy tunes. And that's um, the Nouveau Quintet? That's the Nouveau okay. Quintet. Um, I was like, would you be willing to give me a lesson sometime? You know, obviously you know about the style. He's like, yeah, I tell you what, we're playing Thursday at the Riverfest. Why don't you come down? Uh, and then after the, bring your guitar. And after the gig, I'll uh, give you a lesson. I'm like, okay, man, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. Because Kenny, to me, at that time and still to this day, is like a rock star. You know? Oh, I mean, man, The he's dude great. is ridiculously yeah. good. Um, and I, I feel incredibly lucky anytime I call him or text him and he responds, right. you know, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I keep waiting for him to go, kid, leave me alone, you right. know? Um, but it, he, too that's, busy. yeah, but that's so not him. He's no. the nicest guy he in the is world. A nice yeah. guy. Um, so I'm like excited and totally nervous, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to go take a lesson from, cause I don't really, my last lesson was the $6 lesson that <laughs> sucked, you right. know? Um, so I, I come down and they played two sets. The first set, they played almost all gypsy tunes that I independently at home have been learning these tunes. I'm like, holy shit, this is weird. You right. know, this is exactly what I've been doing. Yeah. So during the break, I go up and talk to him and say, hey, Kenny, I brought my guitar, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's like, well, get your guitar and set in with us on the second set. I'm like, no. At the River Fest. At the River Fest, yeah. Okay. I'm like, no, absolutely not. You know, he's like, oh, just grab it, you know, whatever. And yeah. I'm like, no, man, it's your get. You know, I totally do not because right. I'm like totally, I can't hang Petrified. with these guys. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's got Rob Lauren, who's a great player, oh, yeah. Jim Kiefer, uh, you know, it's just. Plus, you've never sat with them before. Exactly. And it's exactly. the River Festival. I'm here for a guitar lesson. Yeah, exactly. Festival. So finally, we're walking down the like midway where the food and stuff is, and he stops walking and he looks at me and he says, "Shane, you're not gonna fuck us up." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "Okay." So I grabbed my guitar and I sat in with him, and I was on cloud nine because I was getting to play gypsy tunes with other people, which I hadn't done. I'd been right. playing by myself, me and CDs, you know, just <laughs> constantly. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And when we were done, you know, my feet didn't touch the ground for three days after right. that. And I said, man, I really appreciate that was amazing. If you guys ever need a rhythm guitar player, uh, you let me know. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what are you doing tomorrow night? Oh, man. And that's how I started playing with the new vocal. You're tonight. kidding me. I'm not kidding. That is a freaking yeah, and awesome. So, so the next day was a wedding at the Arb. Uh-huh. Um, and he gave me like 29 charts which I don't know how to read. <laughs> um, but I had recordings of all the songs because they were all gypsy tunes. Okay. Uh, and I knew probably 50% of them. But songs like, there's a song called Nuage, which is Django's most famous composition. Does it go by another name too? It does not. That's a different song okay. that you're thinking of. Um, yeah. But it has like, I don't know, probably 17 different chords oh in it. Oh my gosh. And so I was sweating bullets on that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, so I get to the the gig at the wedding and I'm nervous, you know, because mm-hmm. I've I've been cramming all night. I'm gonna <laughs> learn these songs, um, and I was like, so what song are we gonna play first? Because we're getting ready to play, right? You know, it's like we're getting ready to count it off. And he says, Nuash. Oh, I'm like, oh motherfucker. Yeah. Okay, get it get it out of the way. Yeah. You know, uh, and it, warm right up. Yeah, and and it went great. And one of the things I really liked about that band was your. There, we never had band pack practice ever. Okay. Um, you're, they're just so good. You're required to know your the tunes, mm-hmm. um, and we never had a set list. It was they called it out. What do you boys want to play? Well, let's play coquette. Okay, one, two, three. Oh wow! And away you go. That's um, amazingly that, like to me. That's mind-boggling. It was so amazing for me because I had come from Ophil, which was we practice, you know, three nights a week and everything has to be tight and perfect. And, and it you was have just, a set list. Yes, and, and it was like, totally the opposite of that. You better know your shit. And there's no hiding. There's no distortion pedal. Right. It's just you and that instrument. Right. Um, like pure. Yes. This music that came from like nowhere. 
Absolutely. This, it was yeah. And music it, that came from but it, it, it's still the to roots this, of so, music. So gypsy music, for some reason, to me, is my first love. And it all started with those first three notes of minor swing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it snagged my soul, mm-hmm. but it absolutely did. Um, and I would have never gotten to go to France. Mm-hmm. I would have never gotten to go to England. I would have never played with Kenny White. Right. Had I not heard those first three notes in that one moment in Winfield. It totally changed my life. for Much for the better. I've had the most amazing experiences because of those first three notes. That's so beautiful, it's man. weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's... I, I still... Setting next to players like Kenny White and Rob Lauren, mm-hmm. just to, I mean, I have to concentrate because it's easy to get sucked into what they're playing and listening and going, holy shit, you You're know? awesome, yeah. Yeah, and I'm getting to set right here with them, you know? Right. It's just unbelievable. We were playing at the ARB one time, and I don't know what team it was, mm-hmm. and it's all, all the solos are improvised. There's no... There's no to the same. Ab- so ever. from one gig to the next gig... It's totally different. You're throwing in different things. Absolutely. And they're, they're throwing in different things. Absolutely. It's totally different. So the great thing about that is it keeps it very interesting. The mm-hmm. scary thing is it could go very, very badly. Has it ever gone badly? Absolutely. In my opinion, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. But did often, the audience often. notice? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I've never had anybody come up and say, holy shit, that was terrible. Like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Or they just stop what, in their tracks. Yeah, what, were, <laughs> what are you thinking right now? Yeah, that hasn't happened. Um, but there was this one gig at the Arb, and I don't know what song it was, and it came my turn to improvise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I improvised a solo, and I was like, God damn, that was awesome. Uh, and then it goes That's right cool. to Kenny White, and he proceeds to just smack the shit out of me. <laughs> and he actually, when he was done... Did he if, give you a little look? If you know Kenny, it just makes it all the better, because when he was done, totally smoking my ass and blowing me away mm-hmm. after I thought I had this moment... He just looked at me and smiled, and I'm like, you asshole. You couldn't give me one mo-, you know. That was but my, he's totally yes. not, he's not like that. But no. it was just hilarious that I'm sure he knew I was feeling pretty good at that moment. And, and he, he one-upped and it he, one. He took it to yeah, the next level. Yeah, he took level. it like nine levels up, and I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, you're still the yeah. best. But he's also super encouraging, like. And positive. Absolutely. It, it, every time I ask him. Kenny, what what should I be working on? What should I be thinking about? You know, mm-hmm. um, he always says the same thing, and that's just keep playing. Just keep playing. Yep, and he's absolutely right. Man, that's I don't know. It's a journey. It's yeah. Not, uh, you know, and coming to terms with the. I, I'm very much in love with my instrument. Mm-hmm. I'm. I play guitar because I love playing guitar and I love music. But when you start out. Just like when you start out with anything, I'm sure, you want to be the best right now. Right. Um, and it's a race. to. I always wanted to be the young kid that was better than he should be. You right. know what I mean? Sure. Um, and as I've gotten older and have had these influences like Kenny White and these other great players, it's taught me that it's not a. It's about the journey. It's not of the music. race, or the, right? It's not about the finish line. Right. It's all the time it takes to get in there. In between here yes, to there, abs- and the experience, and how you what get. you get from that. Absolutely, and mm. from music, I have got my entire life since I was sixteen has revolved around music. It just always has. Mm-hmm. I can't be in a room with a guitar and not. I, I've never practiced a day mm-hmm. in my life. You know, people always say, okay, I'm going to practice guitar for 30 minutes and right. and then I'll get better and I'm going to work on this. Yeah. I've never done that. I probably should. But I I always just play the guitar. If there's a guitar around, right. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to be playing it. Okay. So I never think of it as practicing. Right. And I can totally still to this day pick up my guitar and start messing around and look up and it's four hours later and go... Holy shit, how'd that happen? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But in a great way. Absolutely. Because it's like almost meditation. Sure. That is my counseling. That is how I deal with the world. I think that's exactly a lot 
for a lot of people, music is their therapy. Sure. And whether, because you can't just afford a therapist all the time. And a lot right. of times if you go to therapy, like you were talking about your first lesson and mm -hmm. it sucked mm -hmm. and the guy didn't teach you anything. I went to a therapist one time and I felt like that. Mm -hmm. Like, this sucks. Right. Yeah. You're not teaching me right. anything. I want my money and, back. And uh, it's wasting my time. Mm -hmm. You're wasting my time. Because I can talk to anybody about why I feel regret about something right. I did. And it comes off the same way. Sure. Like, okay, I got that off my chest. Right. And But I didn't pay on. you $300. Right. Or, or whatever it sure. is, you know, that sure. people... Um, some people meditate, and some people do yoga, and mm -hmm. some people play the guitar. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Everybody has their thing that helps them cope with day-to-day -day life. Yeah. And because, mine has always been music. Right. And music is it for a lot of people because... Or whether it be listening to it, exactly. playing it, or writing it, or... Right, because it's the, it is the universal language, period. Yeah. No matter where you go. That's right. Everybody likes music right so that's awesome isn't that weird yeah that's awesome i love it absolutely I love, it love it okay so, so i'm going to tell you a quick story about the guy that gave me the guitar lesson okay so this, the when you were the six dollar lesson six dollar lesson yeah okay. that didn't teach me shit right so a few years oh, later you're all your arch nemesis correct so okay. a few years later uh, I was still in Winfield, okay. and I saw this flyer for uh, this blues guitarist that was going to be given a workshop in Winfield, mm -hmm. um, which I, at that time, was kind of getting into the blues and really liked, like, Robert Johnson. Stevie and, Ray Vaughan? Well, not even Stevie Ray. It was more Delta Blues, like Charlie oh. Patton and okay. Robert Johnson and Sunhouse. I thought that was the coolest shit, right. you know? Well, this guy was a slide player, okay. um, and I was like, well, I need to go to this, you know? Right. So go to this thing and it was kind of not wonderful but it was okay but like every local guitarist was there okay well i was the youngest one there I, nobody really knew who i was um but my the guy i'd taken the lesson from was there mm -hmm. so they did this thing totally embarrassing i was so nervous where they basically went around the circle of us there was probably 15 of us there mm -hmm. i'm gonna say and each person played a, a blues song so it comes to me, and I'm like probably 17, 18 at the time. Maybe. Mm -hmm. It was before O'Phil. Okay. I was probably 17, actually. I've been playing for a year. Mm -hmm. um, and I played Come On In My Kitchen by Robert Johnson. No, Kind Hearted Woman uh, by Robert Johnson. Okay. But like a remedial version. I wasn't a great singer. I still don't think I'm a great singer, but I sang along I with it well sing. i appreciate that okay. <laughs> uh i sang along with it you know and it was like monumental for me to even do that in front of all these people that right. i don't know right so uh goes around the circle cup i let the guys play comes around to the guy that gave me the lesson um he, he which he's like probably 30 years older than i am or 20 to 30 years right older. <laughs> he plays the same fucking song but He's obviously worked it up, right. like, for himself to show off. And I'm like, you dickhead. Right. Did you really have to show up a 17-year-old kid in like, front of these people? Do you not have anything better in exactly. your sleeve than that? Exactly. And in that moment, I started hating him. Yeah. So, fast forward, <laughs> many years later, we're okay. at Winfield. Uh, I'm hanging out with Kenny, and we're, like, roaming around to these different jams, right? Uh, we walk. So we're talking when you're doing the yeah. This is like gypsy jazz. This stuff. is like five six years ago, okay. maybe something like that. Um, so we're we're playing in this jam, and who walks up? But the guy, the six dollar lesson guy, right? Do you know his name? I do know. Well, his you're name. not gonna tell it. Well, I don't. That might be <laughs> offensive to somebody. Okay. Um, his name's nemesis. His name's name deleted. Uh, okay. You can bleep that out if you okay. want. Whatever. Um, so he comes waltzing up. Uh, but we're playing swing tunes mm -hmm. and he's obviously been working on swing tunes, but I've been working harder. Right. And I with better people. Right. Exactly. A lot better. So Kenny's and Kenny's standing next to me. So mm -hmm. I feel strong. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, with, yeah. I'm with my guy. You got right. the, so the we, man. we play, we play a few tunes, right. And mm -hmm. the jam breaks up. Mm -hmm. We get out onto the road. We're walking onto the next thing. And uh, you're all proud. I tell Kenny the story about this guy dicking me over at this blues jam. And I said, 
and I've spent my whole life wanting to be better than that guy, you know, trying to be mm-hmm. a better guitar player than he is. And in Ken, every way. In the same way that Kenny stopped in that midway to say, you're not going to fuck us up, you should play with us uh-huh. on stage. He stopped as we were walking and looked at me and said, congratulations. <laughs> Which means... You are. I, you. That's exactly right. I was better than him in mm-hmm. that moment. And that feeling that I had, while it's petty and immature... Mm-hmm. That feeling that I had when Kenny White said that was just, it was like, it's like your dad saying, I'm proud of you, son. Oh, man. You know? Yeah. You work your whole your life to Your dad never hear, said anything exactly, to you in your life. Exactly. That was that moment. And I was just like, oh, my God, I made it. I beat it. Okay. You know? Now what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? On to the next arch yeah. nemesis. I never I have to think about that's right. My arch nemesis. You know, and I haven't really... Yeah. hasn't even crossed my mind, really. Good. Uh, he's come to a couple of my shows uh-huh. at different places. Well, good. Um, and always come up and talk to me. And I've always wanted to say, do you remember that blues jam when you were a dickhead? And, <laughs> you know, but I've never done... You well, know, good. I'm always nice. Be the and, better man. Exactly. Definitely. Exactly. But there's still a part of me that wants to be like... Like, hey, man. Well, maybe asshole. he'll hear this and be like, hey... Don't be mean to little kids right. when they need picked up. Right. Or don't he'll come down. kill me for talking shit on a podcast. Well, we don't know. We don't, we'll never know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not too worried about that. No. One. Punch him in the face. But it's weird how my life has kind of come full circle several different times. Yeah. So. I love it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Well, thanks and for having me, me. Let me play your music out. That's going to be the way we go out tonight. Awesome. And I'm going to play your Gypsy album, probably. Okay, cool. So, and I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yep. So. I love your podcast. Oh, thanks a lot. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Peace out. Okay, so on my first album, my Uh Gypsy album. Okay. There's a song called Nico. And this song I actually wrote for a guy. And this is a story about me being a stupid American. Okay. Okay, so my wife and I, it was probably our third trip to France, I'm guessing. Okay. We rented a car because we wanted to see a little more of France than just the festival. Uh, we ended up in Normandy. On the, we went to see the Normandy beaches and the American wow. Cemetery there. It's very moving. If you get the opportunity, it's super cool. I'd like um, to, yeah. So we're leaving Normandy. We get up early in the morning. My wife, we had rented a little uh, chalet by the sea. Aww. It was actually really cheap. It sounds expensive, but yeah. I assure you, I'm as cheap as they come when it comes to travel. <laughs> I know how to get by on get nothing. Deals. <laughs> exactly. Um, we were leaving to go to the festival, mm-hmm. and we had rented this car. Yeah. And we, I was wanting to get on the road because I'm an early riser. I like to let's get going. She was finishing up doing her hair or whatever it was. Tidying. She's a later riser. Exactly. Okay. She was doing the later riser thing. She was finishing up and packing her stuff from the chalet. Mm-hmm. And we're, we've got about a six-hour drive to Samois from Normandy to go to the festival. Okay. So we get in the car. Uh, I get in the car. I say, I'm going to go gas up the car while you finish getting ready. I'll come back. We'll pick you up. And we're on the road six hours, right? Okay, sounds like a plan. So I go to the <laughs> gas station. Even though I'm an early riser, I'm slightly bleary-eyed. Mm-hmm. Pump the gas, pay for it, go by, pick her up, um, start going down the road, come to the first roundabout, which in France, there's like every intersection is a roundabout. There aren't any slap signs. Okay. I'm sure there are, but it, um, felt, like it felt like everyone <laughs> was a roundabout. Uh, and the car starts acting funny like... It's cutting out a lot. Uh-oh. Yeah. And so I'm thinking... She was like, well, that's weird. What's going on? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And I was thinking back to when I got gas. It said sans plum, which I figured out means no lead. Okay. Except I put it in a diesel car. Oh, shit. That's what I was Oh, thinking. shit's right. <laughs> so... Bad gas. I pull over mm-hmm. about three hours into the trip. I'm freaking out. I'm like... I don't know what to do. Obviously, I'm a moron. Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm ruining this car. Exactly. Uh, it's a rental. Uh, I'm stupid. I didn't. Okay. E- I never even crossed my How mind. How much is this going to cost? Exactly. <laughs> it never even crossed my mind when mm-hmm. I put the gas in. I never even thought about it. Mm-hmm. So pull over. Call my friend uh, who lives on the Isle of Wight. 
because mm-hmm. uh, he has a little more mechanic experience, and I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. Who else mm-hmm. am I going to call? I don't know anybody in right. France, really. Right. So I call him up, and I'm like, dude, what do I do? You know, I don't know what to do. And I leave the car running, and I do not want to shut it off, because I've had shitty cars before. If you shut it off, you're taking the chance. It's not going to start again. Right. I already have problems. Don't want to take that chance. And he says, well, over here, we just drain it all out. Uh-huh. But you probably don't want to be doing that, do ya? And I said, uh, no, I, you know, I can't pull over by the side of the road. So decide, I'm just going to keep going. Oh, God. So finish <laughs> the six-hour journey, uh-huh. limp into the forest, uh-huh. the campsite. Finally made it. I'm ecstatic because we made it. We didn't officially break down. Shut off the car. Go to turn it back on. Nothing. Right. Right. So, so drain it out. <laughs> right. Exactly. But I didn't do that. Uh, I'm American. So I call up the car rental place. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with it, uh, but I need a tow truck. Yeah. So they send a tow truck. Tow truck comes, picks it up, takes it to a local garage to get mm-hmm. it fixed. Well, I can't. I try and call the local garage and there's no English there. It ain't oh. happening because it's a small town, mm-hmm. uh, and they have it fixed, I guess, because it's been a couple days. Is mm-hmm. what the car place said, uh, the rental place said. I'm I have no idea if it's ready. I don't know where it is, but I need this car because we're gonna end up leaving return and have it. to go to the return it and mm-hmm. go to the airport. Um, and but I had met this guy named Nico, who was a guitar player from Marseille, and he and I were kind of friendly. Well. I'm crossing my fingers that he's going to be at the festival. And sure enough, he shows up at the festival. And I'm like, dude, I'll make a deal with you. If you call this garage and sort this car out for me, tell me where to go and mm-hmm. you know what I need to pay and when I need to pick it up, I will write a song for you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, man, whatever. you know. Right. So he calls the garage, sorts it out. We go the next day, pick up the car. I'm sure they were laughing at us because I'm an idiot and put in the wrong gas. Who cares? Uh, you don't know. You right. <laughs> come, come back to the United States, release my first solo album, and there's a song called Nico on there. Haven't seen Nico since. Oh. I know. So he doesn't know it's on there, I'm sure. Do you know Nico's last name? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I know his name is Nico. He's from Marseille, and I hung out with him for a couple years uh, at two different festivals. He's super nice, good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. That's all I know well, about him. Well, there's your song, Nico. So. Yeah. I'd recognize him if I saw him, but yeah. I doubt I'll ever see him again. So. Well, that's cool. But you never know. You never know. You never know. That's right. All right. Excellent story. Yeah. Well, you can use it or lose it. It's all up right. to you. All right. And here's that song, Nico, by Shane Marler, off the Sagan album. Check it out.
Thank you to Shane Marler for this lovely evening and Mr. Chris Gulick. Hopefully you have a great book showing. Uh, special thanks goes to Phil and Fletcher for helping with the technical aspects of this podcast. Jeff and Zach Tuttle for photos I'm using on Facebook and Instagram. Kirk Runstrom for the music I use in the intro. Shane Marler for the beautiful song Nico at the end from the Sagan album. And thank you also to anyone who supports this podcast by taking the time to listen. I hope y'all catch a pocket you can be proud of. See you next time.